Guten Abend, meine Damen und Herren, und willkommen bei The Table. Oh, well, hello. I told you, I, I wasn't going to mangle it that bad. Yeah, just hell Hydra. There we go. I'm good with that. Is it really? <laughs> Fucking really? Uh, why not? I, as soon as you said it was German, I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. I would like to issue a formal apology to the German people for my friend Mike here. Why? <laughs> Technically, because, that's because, where... Damn it, Michael. <laughs> But I like my villains. You know why you know why I'm apologizing to Germany for you. Don't make me say it, you fucker. Because of I don't I'm, get I'm, it. <laughs> I don't get it. And welcome to the table. <laughs> okay. He's gonna let that one hang in the air for the rest of life. Cool. If I have to let it hang in the air, then I'm gonna. I don't feel I have to. I really don't want to believe you're that dumb. Ugh. Uh, anyway, welcome to the table, and tonight on a not exactly special episode. <laughs> An interesting segue. We're, uh, <laughs> all of our episodes are special episodes. <laughs> Some more special than others. We're, we're special people, we are, this group. Indeed. <laughs> So what's today's topic? Well, let's, let's, I was trying to get to that, but I'm stumbling over my words because I just tried to speak in a language that wasn't my own. Uh, and then he assumes that I just insulted people. Really? Yep. Did you not just assume I insulted people? Because I'm, I'm assuming that's where you went with that. Hydra is an allegory to what, Michael? Uh, well, Allegory would... nothing. Weren't they just a subset of Nazis? <laughs> yeah. What's it gonna say, you fuck? <laughs> I don't yeah. give a shit. <laughs> I, I, dude, no, I don't. I don't care. Again, I'd like to apologize to Germany. <laughs> dude, he's he's apologizing to German people. I'm Italian, dude. We were in that fucking war. We died. Uh, I happen to be German by descent. Thank you. <laughs> So I mean, all I need is um, what? Someone not... from Japan to get that nice axis of evil going. <laughs> You're horrible, Aaron. You're horrible. Yeah, no, no, no. As far as I know, Aaron's Irish, by the way. Uh, Irish? No, I'm not Irish. You drink like an Irishman. You might as well be. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, didn't didn't you say that your family was, you know, at least partially Irish? I mean, I'm sure a lot of us have some kind of Irish in us because the Irish fuck. Uh. I think there was some Irish there, yeah, but um, there's more uh, Roma, Gypsy. Mm. So like Eastern just European mix of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Basically, like, yeah, Eastern European that traveled through Western, so, like, you, you picked up a bunch of races and, you know, whatever, genetics through there. A whole lot of weird superstitions. Until uh, it got to, to, to the U.S. Then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the first 15 minutes of this episode can just be cut right off. <laughs> it, it won't be. It'll all be there. Actually, it'll be there, yeah. Why not? Who knows? It'll, Who knows at this point? It'll all be there come come when the upload. But uh, anyway, welcome to the table. And tonight's episode, in celebration of the ending of Campaign 2 of Critical Role, 
We're discussing tabletop RPGs. Systems we've played, systems we want to play, good systems, bad systems, so on and so forth. And maybe, if we're lucky, some fun stories that we might have from playing games in our youth. But for anyone who doesn't know what Critical Role is, uh, first off, you've been living under a rock for the past four years. I'm impressed. But secondly, Critical Role is a group of voice actors that started a home game of D&D that eventually became streamed on Twitch and YouTube and the like and has since become a multi-million dollar company comprising, you know, streaming of their their gameplay sessions, comics, an animated series coming out in the next year or so. Um, all that should be interesting. Of, all kinds of products and things, and it's all... Oh, and D&D Sourcebooks. The Explorer's Guide to Exandria is technically a critical role product. Um, the, They've also caused several spin-offs. Uh, Viva La Dirt League actually turned around and started picking up pretty well, so they're doing their own D&D campaign, which they are actually animating. So I will give them credit. They're acting out some of their parts. It's hilarious. I'm just putting that out there. Oh, yeah, no, those, are, those guys are great. Pretty much any, pretty much any uh, streaming D&D podcast type thing, you can kind of blame on Critical Role. For any degree of success, um, and I, I, I the one, the which, one that I always listen to is uh, Drunks and Dragons. They're pretty yeah, good. I, I was I got in on them season one episode thirty six. I listen I listened to their Night Vale crossover because of Aaron. That was pretty much about as far as that went. Um, but I've listened to all of Campaign One of Critical Role and about half of Campaign Two. Um, that. Honestly, it's a fun show. The one thing is, is that there's uh, there's issues with other D and D games because of Critical Role. They call it the Matt Mercer Matt effect Mercer effect because Matt Mercer is the DM for Critical Role, and it he does such that he does such a good job. He's an incredible DM. He really is. Um, but it paints an odd picture for new players about what D and D is supposed to be. For anyone who's considering running a game or who's considering joining a game, I have this to say. Not every DM is Matt Mercer. Okay? Not every DM is Matt Mercer. Not every game of D&D is going to go one for one like a session of Critical Role. I would like that because it shows a lot of what D&D can be. But bear one thing in mind. Both Matt and everyone at that table are professional voice actors. This is their job. It's what they do every day. So, of course, they're going to be better at playing different characters and doing fun voices and being more immersive. Not everyone is comfortable with that. Not everyone at your table is going to be comfortable with putting a voice on a character or giving them a slight accent or, you know, role-playing out every interaction. That being said, there should be some role-play in your D&D. It is a tabletop RPG, a tabletop role-playing game. You should be doing a little bit of role-playing. And if you're not, and you want some, find a group that'll provide what you're looking for. There's not a lack of them. Unless no, you're in the boonies where John is, and then there might be a lack of them. Yeah. Roll 20 is a thing. There's no excuse. Yeah, yeah there's always online. There's, well, there's always going to be somebody like on Discord looking for a group to RP with. 
or you know, roll twenty is a way to get <clears throat> with your your friends and colleagues and play D and D that way. Yeah, I'm sure. There's plenty have. of Discord groups that that are just people looking for Reddit. Reddit's got um, subreddits that are all just people looking to pick up games. But yeah. So for the record, Critical Role has just wrapped up its second campaign. Uh, they had about 140 episodes. The last one I listened to, because I listened to them at work, is like uh, episode 70-something. So I'm getting caught up. Um, but it got me thinking about RPG systems. and Mike and I and Aaron, to a, a somewhat lesser extent, have all played you know, or aspired to play you know, Dungeons and Dragons for many years now. Um, yeah, I've, I'll be honest, I've played as the DM since I was 13. And I'll be honest, my mom gave me her first set of dice, which I still have all but one 10 sided, the actual percentile. My brother somehow lost that. And I still have back here. On my shelf, I have the original three books that my mom bought for us for third edition. That player's handbook is falling the fuck apart. But I still go back and I read the third edition. And I, I love third edition. Fourth edition, there's 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 some things for fourth edition that I wish third edition did. But they're convertible. You can bring them backwards. Mm. That's that's the good yeah. thing to a TTRPG. And I haven't even set foot into 5th edition, and now they're going on to next, and I'm just... 5th edition isn't bad. Well, home, no. homebrew, homebrew is its own thing, and because of Critical Role, I've, I've grown to really like 5th edition because of its, its ease of gameplay and ease of access for new players. True. I like the... I mean, um, uh, Walmart. Walmart actually sells a, a starter kit for 5th mm -hmm. edition. Yeah, no, and there's like a Rick and Morty starter yep. kit for for D and D. I'd like to try that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike and I have both been playing since around third edition. Uh, my first game of D and D was actually a game that I, I kind of, I sort of DM'd a one shot. I d I DM'd a one shot with no dungeon master's guide. And I had a, a second edition AD&D player's handbook that I used for everything. And it was it was a mess. And it was a one-on-one a -on -one game of D&D just because I wanted to see how it would go. <laughs> I, I am missing the player's guide for Advanced Dungeon Dragons. If I yeah. can get that, I have the Dungeon Master's Guide. I have the Monster Manual One and Two for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, so and you have you have most of the second edition books. Yeah, if the I can get the Player's one... Guide, I was actually gonna bundle those together and actually give those to my mom because those are the ones she grew up on. Oh, see, I used to have the Player's Guide. I don't anymore. I don't know what happened to it. But if I uh, if I still had it, I would definitely send it your way. Um, I no, do, however, we're... have the Dungeon Master's Guide. Yeah, the red, the red and, old fiend color, and, and the the, uh, the Greyhawk supplement for for second edition D and D, um, and a few other like maps and things. I'll admit, I have the original, first released red box, with the ball chain binding, for the original Dungeons and Dragons. I saw one of those uh, not too long ago. My neighbor was showing me uh, her dad's old D&D &D stuff. 
Yep, it's it's fucking ridiculous how old this stuff is. For uh, for our newer D and D players or people that are just getting into D and D, be glad you're playing it now. You would have had to do a lot more math back in like the seventies. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, there there was so much like extra shit. I can say the word Thacko and watch Mike just kind of shit. Like yeah, <laughs> I, I still I still have you know, issues trying to even. When you have to calculate Thacko, you're you're good. That's it. Um, just just we're just gonna just no. We're just gonna act like that didn't happen. Just... For those of us playing the home game, um, your Thacko translates to two hit armor class zero. Yep. Which basically you'd have to roll, you know, at least X amount to even think about hitting an enemy. So it is possible that certain enemies could have a Thacko so high they are literally impossible to hit. Well, in a role-playing aspect, it's not necessarily that they're impossible to hit. It's just that you can't damage them with your hit, no matter what. No, no. Back in the 70s, that's the way it was. Like, this, you couldn't swing at it. That was the whole point. Like he, it was almost think of it almost like a fear of Thacko was 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 done through just dexterity then, or was it also done through? Um, I think through it was constitution. Based, I think it was based on what weapon you were using. I think I can't remember. The, it's been so long since I read those ones. I don't even know anymore. There was there was a table. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> not not like this table, like an actual table with numbers and stuff on it. Uh, graph paper, there were calculators, like, yeah, math, of, math images, math images, <laughs> like, calculations and shit like going. The, like the beautiful mind thing with like just numbers <laughs> and shit ever. No. no, but older older D and D books, <laughs> older D and D books had a lot of like tables and numbers and shit attached to them, and it's like. In order to determine what's here, you roll this die for this many things, and if it comes up like this, then this is what happens. And like, I noticed, I noticed that between third edition and then fourth edition, a lot of the tables dropped off. But at the same time, the world building aspect for third or to fourth edition was just almost gone. It was negligible. Yeah, that that but was the for... thing about fourth edition that I didn't care for. I mean, they simplified a lot of it, and oh, yeah. I understand why they simplified a lot of it. But for me, at least, it felt like they were taking away a lot of customizable options and things like that and trying to trying to make character creation simpler and easier, but also making it sort of cookie-cutter. Like, well, they were trying to make the game more mainstream so that people could pick it up and play it, and it was mm. less, there was less difficulty in trying to set that stuff up. And it's mm. okay that... I, I, I like the fact that they, that they make it simpler because... Then you, as a player, can. It's easier to make something more complex as a homebrew. It's le, it's more difficult to make it simpler as a homebrew. I think fifth, I think fifth edition did a better job of what fourth edition was trying to do. Well, yeah, because well, I mean, fifth edition also still kept the same difficulty towards setting up. It, it it helped to ease that, but it also opened up a lot more story building to it but i I think that the uh, i think the the difference between like third and 3.5 and then fourth into fifth was they didn't really 
litigate on as much. They weren't really particular about the way that different stuff was handled. Like, and and third and three five, like a lot of different Look, scenarios are discussed like in depth. You know, between third and three five, there was almost not even a change. I'll I'll be serious. Those books might as well just be the fucking same. They didn't give us a new player's manual. They didn't give us a new Dungeons and Masters guide. They were almost the same thing. A few little things were drizzled in. It could have been well, the three same five was probably just like a just an update, right? It was updated numbers. It was yeah. that was it. It was updated numbers and everything else was more or less the same. Which I will admit, I did I did turn around and I've created a couple of races. I will admit that. And uh it turns out, did you know you only had to be Seven feet tall to be considered a large creature. That is the smallest giant there is that is considered large. Hey, Yao Ming, you are officially a large creature in the eyes of D&D. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, So at that point... Shaquille O'Neal, large creature. <laughs> well, that's just it. In, in Beware the that terms for 3rd edition, 3.5, and 4th, once you hit large, you get a buff to DC, a drop to dexterity... And you get a buff to your constitution just yeah, to its size alone. Also drops your armor class because you're bigger and therefore easier to hit. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, but at the same well, time, but, yeah, it but, also yeah. allows you to catch thrown boulders. I don't know. I don't think that's... No, you, you, the the actual... It was a hill giant, I think it is. I can't remember at this point. I'll have to look back at it. But it's, it's literally... It's called a giant. It is a giant. I think it's one of the hill giants, one of the lesser ones, but they they literally can throw and catch boulders. Yeah, but I don't think that's a, a aspect of their their size. That's an aspect of their race. You know, yeah, I, well, uh, when they're when the race is called half giant. <laughs> I I make this joke cuz I know where it's going. But does anyone else think Shaq would play a monk if he were to play D&D? Oh, easily. He's glad to see that happening. And uh, he as, is. as much as I hated Shaq Fu, the video game, I would love to see Shaq Fu, the movie. It'd be great. <laughs> Dude, that'd be hilarious. But, um... They would so have had to get a giant-sized monk. Like a great big Bruce Lee-looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I would just... Oh my god, that'd be hilarious. I kind of want to see Shaq act again, because it'd be great for me. I'd have a blast with it. What was that? Shazam, Shazam, I think that's right. Shazam. Yeah. Where he was a genie, right? Fucking yeah. Yeah, he was a genie. I'd where 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 he rapped and yep. said and said the words and I quote, "Let's green egg and ham it." Can <laughs> really? Uh, Why not? I mean, not for now. He just does those Pizza Hut and Liberty oh, Mutual yeah. commercials, or no, the general commercials. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. General, general auto insurance. Um, so, yeah, skipping, so getting back on topic here because we're dwindling. But yeah, John, do you do you actually have a preferred like something you want to try? Because I I'll admit it, I I have something I want to try. Hence yeah. my earlier reference. Thanks mm. for shitting on that reference, there, John. You're welcome, buddy. Um, Go ahead. No, there are a couple of systems I want to try. I mean, you already know one of them, like because we've talked about doing it before. Obviously, I wanted to try uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, and I wouldn't yeah. mind it because I mean the insanity meter is. And, 
Call of Cthulhu is another tabletop RPG that I was introduced to via podcast. Uh, if any of our listeners want to check this out, uh, it's the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. Cat uh, Blackard and company over there at the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program put together a great show. It's set up like an old like 20s, 30s radio drama. So uh, if they were really going for that, they really should have. It should be Mystery Hour, I think. It just sounds it rolls off better. Well, I especially if you're talking like in the twenties. Pretty like sure the episodes go longer than an hour, though. That's probably why they. Well, yeah, it. but still, you I know, because like I mean, like the old radio shows would be all like, it's the you know Carl Sagan hour, or blah blah yeah. blah. <laughs> the Carl Sagan hour. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean it was it was another one of those things that was introduced to me through. Oh no, they are about an hour. Well, there you go. See, that would have been perfect. <laughs> They are they are about an hour apiece. So okay, mistaken. all three of us can admit we'd we'd love to try Call of Cthulhu. Right? Yeah, I'd, I'd Call of Cthulhu sounds great. I'd be not, and that's a game I actually would be willing to uh, to keep, as uh, as they say in in Call of Cthulhu, which would be uh, DMing for D and I'd actually be willing to keep that game because that seems like a lot less work overall than uh, than D and D is. I'd have to look into it to to really see. Combat's a lot less complicated because your 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 hit points don't matter nearly as much. Well, because yeah. Call of Cthulhu is, I believe, a fate based system. It's I. It's either you get crushed to death by the giant eldritch monstrosity, or you don't get crushed to death by the giant eldritch monstrosity, and that's kind of what I like about that. And I'll have to check, but yeah, I think Call of Cthulhu. That RPG is um is a fate based, um, which is just is a type of system that that is very open and adaptable. It's kind of like an open source system that a lot of different companies use the bones of their system, and then they just modify it past that. Oh, but I, yeah, I, I'd have to look. Hey, in, yeah, because in fate, in the fate system, combat is more story kind of oriented. It so is it's not. not it's, it's thank you. Combat. It is not a fate-based system. It is based oh. on. It is based on the publisher Chaosium's own system, the basic roleplay system. Huh. Yes, I looked it up, Mofo. All right, all right. Damn. You bad. <laughs> no. It's, for what it's worth, he's talking about the fate roleplay system for the RPG he most wants to try. Aaron, why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead with that one? So yeah, I would like to play the Dresden Files RPG mainly because I really like the Dresden Files books. I like the mythos and the world that Jim Butcher has created, and I would like to create more stories in that world. I do too. I agree. I think that'd be a blast. And I mean, so yeah, I've got some of the books for that, and I've looked at them, and I've gone over like the fate system. And it's not just Dresden Files; it's that fate system it has been used by other ones. I mean, I, when I said it's an open source system, it is an open source system. It's used by other other role playing systems or games or whatever. Other companies have used it. Yeah, and no, it's more story oriented. So, like, you get kind of, like, tokens that you can use to influence the story, um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's, it's, 
it's very different compared to like D and D, which is much more numbers oriented. Even with fifth edition, it, fifth edition is still more numbers oriented than fate is. Well, there are certain things they do have to stipulate on, you know, how much damage a given attack does, or there's always well, going to be numbers involved in your tabletop role playing to a certain extent. And but the number, the damage, the damage isn't. The, the damage isn't actually counted. It's more like wounds. Yeah. You hit a certain number of. Uh, you hit a certain point where you've done a certain amount of damage, and you you take on a wound, which affects your story elements later on, right? Like so, you have a wound. That means that maybe like you, you're blind for now, it, and then it would affect then, your yeah. skill checks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, there isn't any particular like, oh, I hit zero in my hit points, I'm dead. Yeah. Let's all no. remember that the one, the one set of numbers in D&D that nobody tracks is your fucking weight. Yeah, because nobody, nobody wants, wants to track Nobody that. wants to concern <laughs> themselves with encumbrance. You know, nobody, yeah, no, like, they created like, that. Nobody ever stops to think, I'm carrying too much shit. Um, no, well, I mean, they're, solve it nobody, by giving everybody bag of holding or a bag of holding and call it good. That's pretty much what happens. That's even, one of the even first them. magic items that gets given out in the vast majority of D&D games, including Critical Role. Uh, while we're on that subject, uh, they tend to get a bag of holding pretty quickly. Um, at least one of them. So is, I mean, I haven't listened to the Critical Role stuff, but is Critical Role a single ongoing session? Because um, you, just, you just said that they, they usually, the bag of holding is the first thing they get, but that seems to indicate multiple sessions or multiple well, different... They're, no, it is multiple sessions. They just finished their second campaign. Is that so, still the same characters, though? No. Or is no, that... Oh, okay. New character Because they go from 1 to 20. Or, or at least in their first campaign, they ended on 20. I can't speak for campaign 2. Um, they did the leveling different for campaign 2. They had milestone leveling for campaign mm. 2. So, I don't know. Plus, I haven't listened to all of Campaign 2 yet, so I don't know where they ended at. Um, but the, on their second campaign, they happened to, to come across a bag of holding type item pretty quickly. But they're experienced players. So, that's going to be one of the first things they're going to look for when they come to a town that has access to magical items. Because they know. They don't want to deal with encumbrance. Yeah, no one wants wants to deal with encumbrance. It's one of the least Look, fun things about D&D. I'll admit it. I'm a DM. I don't give a... I try not to even calculate it until you're like, like, you know what? I'm going to put these 13 700-foot poles in my bag of holding. No, bro. They ain't going to fit. Like, like, so what if you want to wear full plate mail and carry around a giant berserk-style broadsword and, like, a huge, like, compound crossbow? <laughs> Yeah, I don't care about any of that. I really don't. Like, you, you look like a mobile tank with a gun on your back. I don't give a shit. But the moment you tell me you're picking up something stupid, I want to put this 200-pound boulder in my bag. No, sir. You, I think, just I think in common sense. Matters, but, well, the rule of cool is what comes into effect there, right? I, I run more into the common sense end of it. If it mm. Okay, I'll tell you the, the general space that this bag has in it. If you're going to go beyond that... <laughs> It's not going to happen. I don't care how much weight that bag can hold. You're going to damage the bag. And then once you've damaged the bag, everything inside the bag is gone. Outside the bag. Forever. No, yeah, oh, yeah, no. It's gone. no, no. Nope. Nope. Not in my campaigns. When your bag of holding rips, it doesn't disappear. All that shit goes... <laughs> it's like a grenade. 
Well, in that well, case, so enterprising like, players, yeah. I would like to fill my bag of holding with 17-foot-long stakes that are sharpened to points. And then I would like to tear it slightly and throw it into a nest of vampires. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the I enterprising mean, yeah, players that, would go about that. Yeah, that would be smart. The downside to that is the moment it rips is when it's exploding. It's not rip it and then throw it. No, it's okay, rip so- Oh my god, this is use like telekinesis or some kind of mage spell to, to rip it. Yeah. And You'd have mage, to find a little it. mage hand action. Yeah, use a little um, mage hand and then combine two bags of holding, or put one bag of holding in another one and get a little mini black hole grenade. Well, divide by zero situation. Because well, well, yeah. the, the, the actual DM description of like, if you put a bag of holding in one bag of holding, it creates a rift into the. Yep plane into some plane and everything within like 10 meters gets sucked in yep so here's a question for you then with regards to bags of holding does every bag of holding have its own like pocket dimension or do they all lead to the same pocket dimension no they're they're all individual pocket dimensions of their own because otherwise i mean you think about it i'm like i reach in and i pull out some of these keys like oh nope that's somebody else (laughs) no well, I mean, the, because What's of the this way dildo? The, oh, that's not well, mine. <laughs> because of the way the bag of holding works, you have to be thinking about an object in the bag of holding to pull it out. So you can't just, like, pull out random stuff out of a bag of holding. You have to know what you're looking for. Unless you buy a reused bag of holding. Well, even then, you wouldn't be able to pull out what was previously in the bag of holding because you don't know what was in there. Exactly. So... You, you don't, don't know what's in there. So no, how, you know, how do you know all that space like is available? The contents, yeah. Mm. Well, you the sure you can get like, a list of the contents of a bag of holding by thinking of like just the bag of holding in general? Well, the only thing that I think that would do if you brought a used bag of holding, say, is affect the amount of available space in said bag of holding. But how would you know what the available space was? It's not like it's going to say, beep, you beep, beep, you've reached your maximum space. You wouldn't until you tried to put something in it and the bag ruptured. I know. So uh, I'm going to go to this because this was what actually happened one of my characters' previous campaign. Now, this isn't a horror story. It was, well, I mean, not for me it wasn't, but for them it was terrible. Uh, so they did. They they found a bag of holding. They're all excited. Woo, sweet. Yeah. They start shoving all kinds. I swear to God, I did not point these guys to this. One character, and his the mate, the player is Tony Farina. I'll say his name because I don't think he's ever going to hear this. But um, the point is, as as he's playing, his idea is I'm going to collect all the weapons because when we get back to town, we can sell them for money. And I'm like, okay, that's not stupid. And I told not him, a, I'm not like, a horrible Look. idea. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. But keep in mind, if this bag ruptures, it's gonna explode. Like, that's not the way they work. I'm like, that's the way it works in my reality. So you're gonna have to deal with that option. Mm. So instead of picking up all these huge like battle axes, he's picking up swords, daggers. Like he's picking up all the smaller items. I'm like, okay, he's being kind of smart. Yeah, yeah, it's used. So at one point, they thought they put something in that bag didn't put it in the bag. Uh, what they were reaching for, what they thought they put in there, was a set of keys. Well, they were in the middle of battle. One of their guys went to drop it in the bag. 
dexterity check missed. I didn't tell them that. <laughs> so the, ba- the keys are back, like three rooms back, laying on the floor. He reaches in the bag, thinks the keys, pulls out a set of keys. None of the keys work. They're having a stroke. You put in, what is going, like, whole, whole nine. I had to have the guy roll for it. They got pissed off. Overfilled the bag. Right then and there. Everybody's standing there. He jammed another dagger into that bag. That was the limit. I was like, okay. You feel a little resistance as you push it in. He's like, what? But we haven't put that much in here. And he just muscle checks it in. It de- That thing detonated. And I think it was, at that point, 26 daggers and... 13 or 16 I can't, it was somewhere in the teens of like sh- a combination of short and long swords like everybody had to make a reflex check just an explosion of sharp yep. objects like the only and... one the only one that wasn't allowed a dex check was tony because he was literally jamming this thing in there he's got one hand on the bag he's stuffing this thing in there you ain't reflexing this like you 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 mean you reflex for half damage you know uh yeah yeah and he argued it, and because I mean he's pissy about losing, so I gave him the, his half check, and his half check was still double his health. <laughs> so, oh dear God! <laughs> so, <laughs> ev- like, dude, they lost. Out of four people, they lost three in that one room. Like mm. that, that room was pizza sauce. There was there wasn't bones left. These guys what? were just dead. Was the one remaining character a cleric? No. <laughs> Then the game was, is over. Yeah, he was he was their barbarian. Oh, that's that's. <laughs> and he, the 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 messed up part is he was playing the part of the half orc, and he's just the the brute. He doesn't really want to think about stuff. He just wants to hit things. He her early campaign. I told him to pick something easy. He didn't have to do much thinking. This was his idea. But what's he do? He's like. I get free stuff. He just starts walking around the room, picking up bloody chunks, and he's putting them in a bag. He think, dude, he's just mixing everybody's body parts in this bag. <laughs> <laughs> he brings it back out, straight to the cleric. Can you raise these guys? He's like, they immediately arrested him. Assumed he was the one that killed him. He he was too dumb. He didn't know how to speak his own case. It was that was the end of that campaign immediately. That's <laughs> like, terrible. They they beheaded him the next day. I'm like, oh, I do. I tried all the rolls to get him to just like lean. I'm I'm fudging rolls to keep him alive, and everything's just going wrong. I'm like, nope, nope. This is where mm. this goes. So yes, it was not a horror story for me. It was a horror story for my players. It was a hilarious story for you. Oh, dude, I, dude, I had to leave the room when he initially ripped it because I was laughing. He didn't know why I was laughing. I was like, this is just, it's funny. And I just walked out. I had to go to the bathroom. I breathed for like 10 minutes, come back, had a drink. Like, yeah, it was, it was funny. Boys and girls, when the DM's laughing so hard he has to leave the table, something bad happened. <laughs> Norm- normally. Really happen. uh, <laughs> normally. But, John, I'm, I'm assuming you might have one. I'm not too sure. Um, well, three words you never want to hear come out of your DM's mouth during any game of D&D is, are you sure? Ooh. Anytime, anytime that you're like, I want to do thing X, and the DM looks at you and goes, are you sure? It's probably not a good idea, the thing you're thinking about doing. Uh, yeah, you should rethink that immediately. Um... I, I had a, a cavalcade of, of fun D&D related stories. 
A lot of them uh, attached to somebody that Mike uh, used to know. Honestly, you talk about uh, you talk about your percentile die disappearing. Uh, mine did too, because I loaned my dice set out to a person who shall remain nameless, unless you want to say their name. I mean, you you can use you know the single. Uh, I mean, his not actual name. No. You mean you mean the, the name ever? Yeah, the, the name the everyone calls him by? Yeah, we'll, we'll just but call him Sam for what it is. If he happens to hear this, he knows who he is. Uh, I don't think that's very likely, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. I mean, and uh, if he is, you could have just said so. I mean, I, I really don't care about the TV, bro. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, um, we, we, he used to DM games for me because I didn't. I never liked the idea of DMing. It, it seemed like too much work for me. So he used to DM games for me and whoever else. And uh, a lot of our games ended prematurely, usually because one of the other players in the group would get upset and they would leave. Um, I remember I played a game with him where I was a gnomish wizard by the name of Dimble. We called him Dim. And we had, uh, we had a character. I forget the guy's name. I think it was Corso. I think his character was named Corso. He was played by a guy that lived with Stamp. Uh, we'll, we'll call him Jacob. It's not his real name, but we'll call him that. Um, two reasons. I'm not sure I can remember his actual name, and I don't want to embarrass. I don't want to embarrass him if he does hear this. But uh, yeah, he played. A, he played a halfling rogue. You know, it was three five, so halfling rogues get a lot of advantages. They're smaller and whatnot. But he, um, he played a chaotic evil character. And he was one of those people that seemed to think that playing a chaotic evil character meant that his character wanted to burn every village that we came to to the ground. Nope. Well, we had a story element occur where uh, the DMPC and, and myself as Dimble were asked to come to a church that was headed by an old cleric who, and Stamp made a, a point of saying this, smelled lightly of rain. Now, if you don't know, what he's trying to say is that the priest is an elder silver dragon in disguise. Yep. Um, and Corso, being the chaotic evil thief, and the priest knowing that you know, his character's chaotic evil just by looking at him, knowing that he's evil at least, doesn't want him to come along to this meeting. So he's, he's expressly forbidden from coming. Well, he wanted to come anyway. So he saw fit to follow. And I guess he must have passed his checks or whatever because Stamp let him follow along. Um, meanwhile, um, my character and his character are in talking to this priest. And Corso is outside of the church, like, trying to listen in. Well, I guess Stamp had an idea for dealing with this, because he got attacked by a rust monster. Earlier in the campaign, Corso had found and pilfered a necklace of fireballs. Now, for people who don't know, when you're attacked by a rust monster... Any and all metal items on you, if there's an attack that hits, all the metal items that you have immediately rust and, and are destroyed. On a successful hit. Yes. On a successful hit. 
So his necklace of fireballs that he, he expressly said he was wearing, the gold chain linking the, I think it was like four remaining fireballs on the chain, corroded and fell apart. So those four fireballs all Dropped fell to, to the ground his at his feet and exploded. And he died horribly and was ash. And because he was so finely destroyed, apparently it was far no too expensive to have him resurrected. Um, yep. And just to kind of put the final nail in the head of this guy's game, um, we had a crazy homeless guy come up and snort his ashes and run off. Uh, <laughs> there you go. This poor guy, like, and he's not a bad guy for what it's worth. I've run into him since and I've talked to him. It's not like he's a bad person, but like he was one of those D&D players that it's like the kind of character you don't want to have in your game. He's, he's, the, he's he the chat. Always, he always wants to do whatever ridiculous thing you know, or he makes poor, horrible decisions. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, one can't... Now, I'll admit, I don't get to play often. So when I do, I try to do the most ridiculous shit possible. Because I want to return the favor to my players. You guys have r just run my campaigns into the ground. For how long? I'm going <laughs> to run your shit into the dirt. So he, he's going to play poorly out of spite, is what it boils down to. <laughs> So I did. I did do the the, the halfling rogue, and I min maxed the shit out of him. Uh, I won't play games. Seeing how I am, I, I am the DM. I am a DM. I I chose everything to give this guy the best of the best. Well, you've been deep into the handbooks and stuff, so you know like all the rules and. Yeah. So his his high check was I think like a twenty something. Like he could literally just flick his fingers and he's gone. Don't let there be a shadow nearby. This guy's gone in it. No questions. Played that rogue. Yep. So I had him break into a house, and this guy proceeds to ruin this character's life. For every time he came into town, he would break into the same house and do something to this place. Uh, one time he actually, while this guy was sleeping, mind you, pulled all the nails out of all of his furniture. And used such dexterity that the, everything was still standing. So when he left, every time this guy would touch something, it would just collapse. There was nothing there, holding it together. There was no, no fasteners. That's like yeah. that Dane Cook joke about uh, kicking in someone's door because he wanted to do a and e And it turned out he didn't really want to do a and e He just really wanted to kick a door in. <laughs> so every time this guy would come into town, he would do something to this guy. At one point, what was it? I, uh, I went in and... He was gone, so I ripped up all of his floorboards. Literally <laughs> left everything just sitting randomly around the room, stacked on everything. His floor was gone, but everything was still in the room. Nothing was stolen, just the floorboards. You ever wake up in the morning and find out your living room is in your bathroom? <laughs> uh, he didn't know who was doing it, so the guy got him drunk at the bar. Proceeded to take him home, and when he went to sleep... Obviously, you're drunk sleep, so we rolled. Dude was so unconscious, it didn't matter. My guy picks him up, carries him out the house, down the block, puts him on a bale of hay, covers him up with a bunch of hay, comes back, removes his entire roof, <laughs> removes the entire roof, brings him back, puts him back in the house. The rain woke him up in the morning. Had no, yep, had no idea. To make matters worse, my guy slept in the room with him on the floor, so he wouldn't think it was him. Because he's getting rained on, too. 
I mean, it was terrible. Every, I mean, I'll admit it was terrible. I shouldn't have been doing it to him, but it's an NPC. Who gives a shit? And the yeah, DM's well, got to figure all this shit out. So. You're gonna screw around with you're gonna screw around with the NPCs sometimes. It, it happens. I mean, I didn't um, kill him. I never robbed him. Honestly, I did leave him a couple of gold here and there, just randomly. Like I left yeah. some, like I left two gold in his shoe. Uh, what was it? I I carve I carved the heel. Like took the heel off his shoe, completely hollowed it out, put like three gold in there, and then glued it back on. So as he's walking around, he can hear gold, but he can't find this gold. So he insists he's dropping money everywhere. <laughs> he was walking around for like a week like that. <laughs> he came back twice and he kept complaining about it. You are positively diabolical. <laughs> <laughs> and on the subject of, uh, we've talked about D&D a lot. And Mike and I obviously have played a lot of three, third and 3.5. And we talked about a few other RPG systems we want to play. And on that vein, um, I'd like to mention another RPG system that I would like to try. Um, pretty much anything in the World of Darkness series. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse, so on and so forth. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to try those games out. Because I'm a fan the, um, of that kind of comic horror. White Wolf Productions or whatever? Yes, White, White Wolf, yeah. Um, my local game store, we had a we had a kid who liked to come in and play White Wolf. And he had like all the source books. He had stuff for vampire and werewolf. He had one of them that was for like Egyptian mummies and shit. Okay. Just, I looked at some of that White Wolf stuff before. He was just <laughs> like, what kind of character do you want to play? And they're like, I want to play a vampire. And he just gave him the book. Like, here, play this. Oh, I want to play a werewolf. Okay, here, play this. I want to play a, a, a monster hunter. Okay, here, play this. I want to play an Egyptian mummy. Okay, here's a book for that. You know, like... And he would just get, like... And there you go, you build a character. And I've wanted to try that out because I'm, I'm a fan of that kind of stuff. I like vampires and werewolves and so on. I think it might be fun to play an RPG set in a world of vampires and werewolves and so on and so forth. Modern times too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, well, I yeah. mean, there's varying time campaigns and stuff. And when you're a vampire, you can start a game in like the medieval era and end it in modern times because you're, you know, several hundred years old. Providing yeah. you don't die or you're unending. <laughs> if, if you want to go that route, you can. And I think that'd be fun, you know, if we could get a game going for that long. Um, well, although you know, Dresden Files could do the same thing. Just saying. There are vampires in the Dresden Files as well, yes. Uh, although I wouldn't want to be a vampire in White Dresden. Wolf is much more D&D based. They go than... a lot more in-depth with the way that, yeah. Yeah, they've got they got a much more uh, higher focus on the numbers and stuff like that compared to dress. They're they're a little more role playing centric than D and D is, sure, but there's still like a lot of yeah, a lot yeah, of numbers I mean, look in good. combat. And I mean, I've played the the games, Vampire the Masquerade, the games. Those were always fun to play. I've always wanted to, but I've never really had a chance to. Same. Yeah, you should. Haven't had that opportunity. You know what, uh, John, do you actually have, because, I mean, I've thrown out two stories that I thought were just comical, but realistically, in playing D&D, the few times that I have, I've tried to go shitty on my DMs, and I've got more horror stories than I do actual play stories. I mean, in total, I think I've played maybe a handful, and I think handful, I mean less than ten games as a player. I that I really have, like, horror stories so much, as in, they were horrible for me. Other people at the table were laughing their ass off. I was just mortified. Um, I had one character that I, that I had built to play 
And at the time, I was listening or reading the uh, the Conan stories. Okay. So I was really big into Conan and the Barbarian. So I wanted a Barbarian character. So I built this Barbarian. I named him Krull. We, I called him Krull the Wanderer. And um, he was a human Barbarian. And he had a great sword across his back. And where there was battle, there would be Krull. Where there was weed, there would be Krull. Where there was women, there would be Krull. That was the idea behind the character. And we had finished a... Um, we had finished a particularly difficult battle against the Dracolich, where where Crawl had ripped off the Dracolich's tail, and decided he was going to keep it as a club to beat other monsters to death with. <laughs> I thought this was really cool. Um, my DM thought it was really cool. Um, my roommate, who was playing alongside us, thought it was also cool, but. He's got to fuck with me. So, the way that Stamp played his games, and I don't, Mike, you never experienced this as far as I know, but when the game got slow, he would have a player of his choosing roll percentile. He had a table of random shit that would happen based on what you rolled on a percentile die. One of the options was that you would lose all of your intelligence for a set number of turns. Now, my barbarian wasn't very smart to begin with. He's a barbarian. Intelligence was his dump stat. But when you go from being kind of dumb to completely just flatline brain activity, it shows. And my, uh, my roommate, being the kind of asshole that he was, decided that he was going to take Krull's lapse in consciousness as an opportunity to rape him. Yep, I've heard this one. So my my badass barbarian that had ripped the tail off a Dracolich and beat it to death with its own tail was a victim of rape. <laughs> and from that point, I just couldn't play the character. I was like, nope, we're done. <laughs> you run a campaign mm. right there. You took yeah. it too far. We're, we're, yeah, we're done. I mean, it was, looking back on it, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> but well, there's it's it's rough to try and bring sexuality it, into D and D campaigns, it, especially if not everybody's already on board with that it, kind of stuff. It, yeah, it, I was gonna say it can be done, and we've all had that guy at the table. I've had that guy, and I shut him down. Oh, that's Mine. a story. That's a story. <laughs> um, yeah, we didn't even start that campaign. <laughs> um. Well, for what it's worth, like when I when I said before I DM'd a campaign of second edition, for the record, I had to write in a table in the player's handbook about prostitution and the cost of different services. There you go. Because the one player I had was that guy. Uh, <laughs> there's always there's always one at the table, no matter who it is. There's always going to be somebody that's like, I want to hit on the bar wench, like I want I want to do her, I want to do the princess. I want to do... I roll to seduce the dragon. Like, it's a meme, but it happens. Like, it's not... <laughs> no, the, the, the only cringeworthy part to mine was the fact that his wife was playing with us. And the shit-eating grin on Aaron's face says he was that guy at a table at one point. <laughs> no, I never got... And I never played any D&D, so... Although I just, I, have... I just can picture it. Like, I'm just, like, in my head, I'm, like, running these, these scenarios... 
And it's just, yeah, it's just funny. I are mean, because it's funny to think about. But Are you thinking about who in your friend group would be that guy? If you all sat down to play D&D? No, more just I'm thinking about just like, just some generic nerd. Pencil pocket, glasses. Oh, yeah, the, the pocket protector and like the Coke bottle yeah. frames with the tape on them. Maybe a little bit of a lisp. Like the lispy it, voice. Like, yeah. His pocket, his pocket protector, protector, there, protector. <laughs> if there's kiss there, I want to do them because I am a powerful wizard and I can seduce them with, I have 18 charisma. You know? Yep, 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 you nailed it. <laughs> you ought to they have fake sex on graph paper because they're not having real sex. Um, <laughs> like I which, said. Which is cruel, but do, do, I, do I continue to, to lay the cringe on top of the cringe? Because, I mean, you already know his wife was there, but his wife's sister was playing with us, and his brother was there as well. Oh. So, I, I mean, how, how much worse does it But he was just outing himself as a creep to his whole family. He was well, just... yeah. and the thing is, none of them batted an eye. So you already knew they knew. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. Okay, fair enough. So the moment um, I figured that out in another campaign, from that point on, I knew it was going like, to get bad. So for Halloween, I set up something grisly. And we didn't even start the campaign. We didn't. Everybody literally made one roll. That was it. Everybody failed the roll. Nobody played after I finished the description. This is what happens when you let your players' better demons get the better of them. Mike is the kind of diabolical gamer in general that when he knows that someone has a shortcoming that makes them like a bad role player, he'll let them walk themselves into a situation that they're not going to want to be in and just let things play out. Uh-huh. Yeah. It turns out what I didn't realize at the time, all of them actually had this kind of little side fantasy of theirs in one way or another. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll give it to you guys quickly as I can here because the description, I had five pages of description. I, I'll, I'll see if I can find them and post them because this shit was grisly. I went into detail. But, um,. They, they literally, they're supposed to be meeting somebody for a job. They walk through the door. The first thing they have to do, all of them have to make a will check off rip. All of them fail the will check. They say nothing about it. They have no idea. I'm like, well, you, know, you walk in and it looks like you've walked into a brothel. You know, I'm describing all these little scenarios. All these women and guys are all nude, having fun with each other. Okay, hold on. Before you go any further, I have a question for you. What, what was the DC on the will check? 20. Okay. At 20. So it's, it yeah. wasn't impossible. It was not impossible. Could have made this check easily. None of them did. <laughs> Regardless. Uh, so I've got these, these two women over here going at it on a couch. Uh, uh, one's strapped to a table. One's eating this one. There, There's these ones over on the bed playing, you know, rubbing and playing on it all of them decide they're getting on somebody all of them are suddenly having sex with something oh yeah and it's an orgy you've, you've painted an orgiastic picture <laughs> and every one of them has just went full force into this and i didn't that was the moment i realized all of them have this on their edge it's not all women there's a guy strapped to a what was it a guy strapped to a table a girl you know doing her fun to him and there's a chick chained up on the wall. There's women pa- pawing on her. Like it's it's just a 
orgy. There's there's multiples everywhere. Oh, so I give I, I sit here and make sure all of them are describing what they're doing. I'm I'm sitting here just I can't believe what I'm about to do to these people. I am <laughs> what I'm about to do to these people. Suddenly they all hear a voice go, "Okay, that's perfect," and the illusion disappears. It turns out they've all been uh, having sex with animated corpses that had an illusion thrown over all of them. Some are putting their thing in an actual dead body, and there is just a zombie that has actually been eating on it. All the zombies have got no fingers, and there there are chains to where they can only reach so far, so they can't actually hit anybody. All the jaws are missing. They can't bite. The all these zombies are basically nullified. They can't do anything except for moan, move around, and basically just touch. They can't do anything. So to them, they're being touched by people. No, all of the... Oh, God. The one guy thought he was doing things to a chick. Turns out it was a dead human warrior's neck. Because the head was decapitated. He's going... Well, let's just say that, he was holding arms at his hips, not legs, and it was. Oh, that's everybody awesome. immediately gave up. The, that campaign went nowhere. I was like, "Well, I I told him off rip. I'm like, you guys all failed an illusion check, and the guy that cast this is a master illusionist. So you guys, and, yep, all of them packed up right there and left. All My, that the... campaign went nowhere." <laughs> That is a, that is a sign that your plan sort of backfired, but you didn't realize that everyone was going to go the route that they went. I think you might have thought the one dude was going to go that route, and it was going to be a, a laugh on him. But. Yeah, that's that's what I assumed it was going to be. Was just like they're all whoa whoa whoa, maybe one or two would you know light pet kind of thing, but I didn't think they would go all in ham. Like I really didn't. So when, it kind of it kind of backfired a little bit. When my description. I mean, when when the description covers maggots falling out of the body while you're doing things, yes, they were all done. <laughs> oh, oh, yep. So I mean, and that's really what that comes down to is the difference of Just, you know the, the 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 players are looking for one type of game and you're looking for one type of game and it just didn't no. mesh. I, I can, no, I wasn't looking for a type of game. I literally based this whole campaign to shut down all their over everything. Like well, if they want to the make it, they're the players. They want to play that. If they want to play that kind of campaign, then let them play that kind of campaign. But you don't want to DM that kind of campaign, then that's fine too. Exactly. Let someone else do it. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was trying to shut down some of those ideals. Honestly, if they would have made it out, uh, would have basically been it. That would have. It was a normal campaign after that. I mean, uh, they did, I'll admit, there were a couple of retired um, adventurers, mid-level, as NPCs. And they did have some reasonable, you know, stuff at their house. And one of the guys liked to steal. So, I kind of did set up a few things for him to run into. Uh, you know, a couple of people had better than normal... Um, checks so they would have known you were stealing or trying to bluff them that kind of stuff but that was really it it was basically a normal campaign it's just that <clears throat> one really grotesque fucked up weird situation 
But hey, after I will admit though, after that, none of them, none wanted to try to have sex with anything. <laughs> Not even the other players, because they didn't trust nothing. <laughs> so that was. I'm good. surprised you got. I'm surprised they came back to your table after that. Honestly, I only got two, uh, two more games out of that, and those are honestly the. Those were the two that I was actually the player, and both of those came came out as a horror story on my end, and they just stopped coming over at that point. Now the only time he calls me is if he wants something, like you help him move or something. (laughs) It sounds like that situation could have been mitigated with a session zero, where you guys talked about what the game was going to be and what you wanted out of it as the DM and what they wanted out of it as players and... Well, only if they would have been open on what they wanted, really. I mean, yeah, that's kind of hard to be like, I want to have a full-on orgy party kind of DM campaign. I mean, well, that's... They should have knew something was up, because I held that session on Halloween. That wasn't like it was going to be... I, I even told them, I'd been, I'd been lining this up for a while. Hey, this is going to be horror. This is going to be horror. And they just let it happen. They didn't think tw- twice about it. Yeah. I'd been alluding this to for like two weeks when I was setting it up. So it wasn't like they went in completely blind. You oh, know. They just went in, you know, penis first. And that's that's the way that went. And you let them get led around by their rod, so to speak. Ugh. Yeah, because even the women played guys. Wow. Um Yeah, that sounds like that's... maybe they just all wanted to have an orgy. Um Yeah. And I mean they could have. Like, no one would have stopped them from all getting together and doing stuff. But yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, I will throw out mine because I know John's covered his. Aaron's said his. Mine is a just a tabletop game. It's not exactly a role play. And oddly enough, it is Hydra. And it is actually based on the Marvel cinematic Hydra. You know, oh, Hydra. you know that made up. You know, Nazi group, one that really doesn't exist. Yes, yes, they they're not That's real, close. unless you're unless you're a Republican, in which case they are real. And well, yeah, and they're real, and they're trying to come after you and your furniture. It's all uh, the Democrats. <laughs> they're all members of Hydra. No. Oh yeah, that that is my ideal. I did see it, but it's an expensive game. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah. It's I think it's the cheapest one I've seen so far is like seventy dollars. Well, a lot of new board games now are pretty expensive. No, no, it's not recent. Um, I was going to say, because, I mean, once it got bought by Disney, then Disney probably jacked up the price or whatever. Let me look. That wouldn't surprise me. But, I mean, because then it was, then it's, you know, then it's part of the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe thing, so. Mm. Oh, actually, it's dropped down to about 30 bucks, so I might actually be able but to do it been. now. I'd be down to, I'd be down to try that out. That sounds like fun. I've actually through that tabletop simulator game. Thirteen dollars on eBay. Might not even need to buy anything for it. If yeah, we you it, might if be able to just download a, uh, yeah, a fan-made mod or whatever for tabletop simulator. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, we've got one for the Call of Cthulhu. That's that's already there. I I'd be down to play Call of Cthulhu. I really would like to try that. And you said you'd be a keep, right? Yeah, I'd actually keep for that. That seems like there'd be less work involved. Oh, I mean, because no. combat's not nearly as complicated. You don't well, like you said, you've got, um, you've got Tabletop Simulator. Go get, the, um, go get the, the add-ons, the mods. 
for it, and the, they'll have the books and everything to, to review in there. So you can read them in Tabletop Simulator. I might, I might actually give that a shot, and I'd be interested in doing a Call of Cthulhu, like, even if it was like a one-shot. First, probably... ter- first ever play for all three of us, and it'll be streamed. It probably, yeah. Yeah, it probably won't be a one-shot, too, because... No, they're likely to die. Let's be yeah. honest. Uh, then we'll be I'll be able to cut it and send it over YouTube, so But I'm just uh but well, uh yeah, it's Call of Cthulhu, right? I mean you know best case scenario is you come out insane. Yeah. The best case scenario is you come out of it more or less unscathed, slightly less sane than you were when you started. Uh fair enough, fair enough, yeah. But you, but you've saved the world, and no one will ever believe your story. Uh, that's probably the absolute best case scenario. Worst your case scenario. Case. I mean, mid round case and average case scenario, you die. Uh, m- more often than not, you're going to be a bloody smear on the foot of some eldritch horror. <laughs> so um, how does how does worst case scenario differ then? Because worst case, I think, would be that you die. Worst case scenario, you're completely insane. So is insane uh, better than dead? No, insane is oh. worse than dead because being crazy enough will make you wish you were dead. All right, fair enough. Um, I would think that the the worst case scenario might be more just that, and, and you, sometimes insanity just leads to death. Um, the way that the uh, the way that the sanity mechanic is set up in Call of Cthulhu, um, if you roll a poor enough sanity check. Like, if your sanity check is really bad, the Keeper actually takes control of your character for a turn. And the Keeper is going to do whatever they feel is appropriate, given the situation. Uh, one of the games in, uh, in Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program, where they were doing uh, their first campaign for that, um, one of the players rolled a really bad sanity check, and they just wound up shooting themselves in the head. Like... Oh, that's how you end your character. Yeah, that was... Yeah. I mean, it was well, towards I mean, the end of the game anyway. Like, whatever the thing was that they were trying to prevent summoning was being summoned, and they had seen it. And that was what caused the sanity check. Like He's like, nope. Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. I no, I mean, Call of Cthulhu was definitely one of those games where you're like, you have, like, three characters or something. Yeah, so that you, you, you might have a couple backups to run through. Oh, yeah, when you can, when your character inevitably dies. No, <laughs> um, I have, I have listened to some Reddit stories based on the Call of Cthulhu. I've heard some very strange characters made up. Oh, Critical Role did do a Call of Cthulhu one shot, by the way. Uh, for <laughs> people who want to stick with Critical Role and you know not try out other podcasts, I do recommend checking out other stuff, but. Critical uh, and Role I, did do a uh, uh, Call and, uh, on John's note. If you didn't want to check out other podcasts, I appreciate you being here because <laughs> yeah, obviously you gave us a shot. If you've come here to listen to us gammon about ridiculous shit, I love you too. Especially, especially people in foreign lands, our, our friends and neighbors. We we all love you, but we expected to hear from you occasionally. We didn't expect to hear from anybody overseas, so. Anyone who's, you know, across the pond and listening to us, we love you especially. Um, but yeah, no, like, Call of Cthulhu is a system I want to try. Another one I really want to try is uh, Cyberpunk Red. 
I haven't even heard of that one. Well, you know the uh, you know the Xbox game, Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. It was based on this tabletop role playing game, and Cyberpunk Red is the latest edition of it that takes place like 30 years before the game. Because the game That'd be is pretty cool. The game is set in 2077. Uh, Cyberpunk Red is like in 2043 or something. It's around the time that Johnny Silverhand is still alive. Yeah. In, well, in I mean, the, if you uh, do that, then why not Shadowrun? Spoilers, John. I mean, Shadowrun is a tabletop RPG, isn't it? Yeah, Shadowrun started as a tabletop RPG too, and Shadowrun hmm. would be Shadowrun's kind of like a mix between Cyberpunk and D and D, because Shadowrun has its its <sighs> Cyberpunk elements, but there's also like elves and dwarves and shit. Yeah, I'd be down to play Shadowrun too. Um, if somebody wanted to to GM a game of Shadowrun or whatever. I'd be down to try that out. That might be a lot of fun. Actually, I wanted to do a Shadowrun type story for uh, for comics and things. Um, I came up with an idea that centered around 2012. And, you know, how people got the prophecy about the Mayans saying the world was going to end wrong. And how instead, the Mayan of the wor- apocalypse. instead of the world ending, like, this giant mana tree, like, sprouts in New York City. And from the tree come, like, elves and dwarves and fairies and shit. Basically, that's very what I, Shadowrun. That's like that's like that's like super Shadowrun right there. I thought of it as bright but good. So um, basically, Idrisil pops up, and it becomes Sword Art Online. That's what you're telling me. Okay, then it becomes Sword Art Online, but good. Uh, oh, shots fired! Shots I will, fired! I will, I will act like you didn't actually say that because I said it. I said it, and I'll say it again. Uh, I will act like you didn't say that, because I will. I am going to record a video shooting that dude down at every turn. I will. For the, for the record, <laughs> I like Sword Art Online, before anybody gets the wrong idea. I just like giving Mike a hard time. Because uh, he knows the, the new arc is going to be crazy. Oh, dude. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to try out Cyberpunk. I think that'd be fun. Um, there are some RPGs I have the source books for, and I never got the chance to play. Uh, I have Werewolf the Apocalypse. I have an older edition of that. Um, and I have a, uh, I have a Slayers module for, uh, for D20. Uh, if you don't remember, uh, the Slayers was an anime from back in like oh, the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw it, at, I saw it at the local game store and I was like, oh, this looks neat. And I picked it up. I think it was like 10 bucks. I was like, yeah, all right. So I picked it up and I, I looked through it. I've never gotten a chance to play it though. Um, obviously I, it's a very small group of people I know that might be able to play that game with me, and I haven't spoken to a couple of them in a very long time. So I don't know if they'd be down to sit and you know play a Slayers game with me, but I think Waste it'd be fun. Life. You gotta have enough people willing to waste hours of their life to never get them back. It's not waste, though. If you have fun, you know, if you're enjoying hey. yourself, it's not a waste. Oh, yeah, it's, not a waste. it's only a waste if you, after like ten minutes, everybody gets up and leaves the goddamn room. That's that's a waste. <laughs> <laughs> it's a waste of five pages of description. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep referring back because it's just fucking. It's still funny to me. <laughs> now, by the way, that happened when I was, uh, I think it was like nineteen, going on twenty, because I was still in my first apartment. I'm now thirty. <laughs> well. I'm gonna say specifically how old, but it was a while ago. I still laugh every single time. You're you're far beyond thirty, my friend. Shut up, John. You're older than me, and I'll be thirty-five in July. So blow me. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give it away. He's old. <laughs> I am 35 actually, and I will be turning 36 this year. And yet we both still have all of our hair. Yeah, yes, I do. I sure do. I'm holding on to that as long as I can. Oh, anyway, I can't, I can't talk too much shit because it's it's thinning. You can see it thinning. It's going away. Yeah, it's still yeah, there. I mean, Aaron's freaking uh, going away at like twenty. Yeah, no, Aaron's Aaron's been you know, but Aaron's always had because he's blonde. He's always had very fine hair to begin with. Oh. Yeah, it's really, it comes out real light. Mm-hmm. Although my beard has always come in, like, red. Like, super red. Yeah. You should Weirdly, dress up as a leprechaun for St. Patrick's Day and go out. Weirdly, <laughs> mine comes in <laughs> black, tall. and I end up getting red towards the tips of my hair. Mm. Or my goatee. Mm. But, um, John, you've covered your uh, your, your horror story. I, I can, I'll put out my... I don't know if it's a horror story or just an annoying story, because I'm just going to go with annoying story. It is Tony. Mm. And I think I'm going to stop after this one because there's too many with Tony. And I just, I, I don't, I don't think I have enough time. Honestly. One of those problem players. Huh, just kept he, back. Well, looks, he's, he was, he was the guy. Anyway, um, his wife decided she wanted to try DMing. I let her. This is the first time. They bought the 3.5 books and, just going. I want to be a meathead. I don't want to think about nothing. I created a half-orc barbarian and one of the options you have is to roll for traits. Like, uh, you know, he smells funny, something of the... Roll, I end up with is afraid of, and then you get to roll on another table to figure out what he's afraid of. I ended up with afraid of snakes. So I've got this... Indiana Jones moment in my yeah, head. So Indiana Jones the half work, yeah. Immediately started laughing, and they're like, what, I'm like, nothing, it's going to be fine. We're never going to run into this issue. Because we're in the middle of a city. Yeah. The middle of a city. I have no, we're not going to run into this problem. Nope, immediately into a crypt. And conveniently, <laughs> it's a labyrinth we got to work our way through. I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I guess it's our first time. I can't hate her for it. The first puzzle is literally, you have to get by... From one door to another, as we walk in, everything locks, and a totem of a snake comes from the ceiling. I'm like, literally, my character immediately goes apeshit, Warhammer out, crushes the totem. Mm. Now, mind you, he is running his normal elf, Ogre. He's supposed to be over here trying to pick a lock or get us the hell out of here, whatever. Nope, he suddenly decides he's afraid of snakes, too. And I just, I turned and looked at him, I'm like, are, are you kidding me? Did you roll that? No. No, I thought it was funny. I'm like, okay. So, mind you, out of four people playing and one DM, how many, I already told you Tony's a rogue. I'm a barbarian. Can you take any guess at the other two characters? We'll say they're both elves. Of course they are. Yeah. Yep, they're both elves. Now, here's the fun part. They're both rogues. I am literally in a party of goddamn rogues. I am the only one that can actually do any physical damage, and nobody is walking across the room to open this door. The room starts to fill. 
with snakes made from shadows. My character is losing his other-loving mind. Trying to crush everything, swing at every one of them, every shadow. He's, he's lost his mind, literally. The way I'm yeah. playing him. His intelligence, John, is nearly negligible. Like, it's uh, not a... It, it wasn't a dump stat. It was a reverse stat. It was a negative. So this he's backed out completely. He, he, this guy is lucky that his brain helps him breathe. Okay? <laughs> it's just... If breathing wasn't an automatic thing, this died real early. He's lucky he can engage in voluntary reflex, huh? Yeah. Well, actually, I don't think a couple of times he did, but that's not the point. <laughs> he's he's literally he's checked out. He's swinging at everything. Nobody can calm him down. His his fear is uncontrollable. One of them decides to step in. Yeah, you're a flim, flimsy little elf, and my strength is at a plus eighteen. Oh, did I? I didn't say that. Yeah, max eighteen. Orc makes it a plus two, twenty plus five. I crushed one of our friends. <laughs> I one hit one of the rogues being scared. He warhammered them into a fine red paste. <laughs> Everybody started panicking, dude. They started. They literally sat there and backstabbed the shit out of me, back and forth, killing me. They killed my character in the first room because all, be all because of an arbitrary roll yep. uh, on, on a d twenty table that said you were terrified of snakes. <laughs> And I mean, I just played with it because I mean, eh, what the hell? I don't oh, yeah, actually I mean, get to play very often, so I wanted to take it to its its maximum and see what I could do. No, no, hell no. Nobody go for the door. Nobody try to get this room. You know, nobody light something to you know dispel the the shadows. It's just kill the fucking guy killing everybody. Yeah, there there is a uh, there is a way to deal with the situation. They just chose not to. Um. So let's let's talk a little bit about pet peeves in D and D. Your last story brought up one of my biggest pet peeves in D and D, and I'm I'm gonna say this right now: too Everybody... many goddamn elves. Oh, <laughs> um, I got tired of rogues. Everybody wanted to be a well, rogue. Well, the thing about this is we we've all done the elf rogue thing. I had an elf rogue. The rogue that I played was an elf rogue. I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm any better than than anybody else, but every game. Every game of D&D I step into, there's like at least three elves out of a five-person party. And I'm like, can we get a little, like, I want a little variety in my D&D game. I want, like, I want to see gnomes and dwarves and, you know, half-orcs and, you know, giants or dragonborn or whatever. But everybody's a fucking elf. Why? Like, was Legolas that popular? Like, I don't understand. So when I, when I wanted to make my homebrew campaign and do my homebrew world, I, I expressly made a point of stating that elves are very rare and that if you want to play an elf, you're going to have to come to me and explain why. <laughs> and how many of your players came to you trying to tell you they wanted to be an elf? Exactly. That was my whole problem. I was like, I just don't want, I don't want everyone. I, I want to well, see how many did great. come to you. Yeah. So you put the rule in place, right? How many did come to you say, I want to play an elf still? It never went anywhere. Uh, oh, no, they just right. like, they fuck it, to be I'm done. <laughs> I just like, want to no. see variety in my races in D&D. &D. There's a whole chapter in the player's handbook of races, and everybody went straight to elf. Now, here, here. There. John, I, I will admit, I did have that problem with 
Tony and his family. He was like, I don't want to say his name again. I'm getting tired of saying his name, honestly, but that's not the point. I did have that problem with them. I made it very easy. I told them, if you guys want to play an elf, there should only be one. I wasn't, you know, when I was playing, I didn't have that. I, all of them wanted to be fucking, all of them. Yeah, I'm a player. You don't get because you team. didn't have the single pick race rule in effect when you weren't DMing. Which yeah. is why he was a half elf and there were two other elves and I'm the only orc and nobody can talk to me in my own language. But that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, oh, and by the way, I was too stupid. I didn't actually have common. That was not a thing I could get. <laughs> I was that. Common. <laughs> you, could speak, you could speak orcish, but you couldn't speak common. Yes. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. So, <laughs> regardless. Uh, regardless. Uh, the way I handled it was because they were doing the same thing. Everybody wanted the alpha. Everybody wanted... I'm like, okay. All three of you roll a 20. Whoever gets the highest gets it. Sure. Whoever elf. gets the highest gets the elf. That was it. Every single time, all three of them would do the same thing. Every time they sat down and started making a character, all of them would roll because they knew my rule. It irritated the shit out of me every time they sat down and all three of them rolled. I knew what they were rolling for. I'm like, oh my god, you all are pissing me off so bad. And here's the thing. I get that fantasy elves are popular. I understand that. I get that that's a thing. I mean, Orlando Bloom was great in Lord of the Rings, too. We all, we all love Legolas. But there's a whole chapter in the player's handbook of, of any edition of D&D on races. Even the earliest versions of D&D had multiple races. I just want to see some variety in players in D&D. Oh, you want to have an elf? Cool. I'm down with having an elf, but let's see a halfling. Give me a gnome. Give me a dwarf. Give me a dragonborn. Give me a party with some varied members in it. Give me, a, mother- have- give me a motherfucking human. <laughs> My God. Yeah. No, give me a human. Well, no one wants to be a human because they only live to be like 60 and then they die. Bro, <laughs> that, was, that was the one time that I was the most pissed is when I chose my only human fighter in third edition. Mm-hmm. And I min-maxed the hell out of him. I chose feats. I was toughing up. Like, at third level, I had 40 hit points. Bro, I was boss swinging at third level. I was taking out monsters. Like ty- I'm, I was a tyrant. That's, I was walking around threatening people's lives. That's gross, bro. <laughs> Problem was, the person who was running DM, his wife's sister didn't read the rule book properly, threw in a monster that actually, as a boss, the she was like, I cut everything in half. I'm like, yes, but cutting everything in half for a monster that's a CR 23 doesn't actually help us when we're level 3. Yeah, it only drops it down to like a 12 and a half. <laughs> Thing had, uh, I think it was a it could attack 10 times. Yeah, it depends on which, when you say cut in half, I mean, even if you cut the stats, it still has abilities that can allow it to multi-attack like that. That's that's, no, that's a big a, part of why it's CR is so high. Like, it was some kind of like chain demon. She picked it because she thought it looked cool. I'm like, cool, yeah, fine, awesome. Chain demon, it should probably have like maybe four. No, she's got, there's like ten chains that attacks all the, I'm like, oh, no. Where? Yeah. Character, the only reason I survived is because I had so much health and my AC was a 23. Didn't you, as like a half work, didn't you also have like relentless endurance or whatever? No, that was the half work that they stabbed to death in a in a different oh. dungeon. This was a. Oh, I yeah. had to make. He I made afterward. Okay. Yeah. 
was the character that came literally, hey, I heard the screams. What's going on? Like I was playing him like the, you know, the meathead. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he was the, yeah, it was that's par- probably it was, my biggest pet peeve in D&D is like everybody wants to play the elf. Elf situation. There's never, there's never a shortage of people want to play different classes, you know. Everybody wants to play, you know, like some people want to play fighters and some people want to play spellcasters, and there's usually at least one rogue. But everybody wants to be an elf, and I'm like, there's, there's so many races. So, like, I, I did this a while back just for shits and giggles one night. I got bored, and I sat with the five ebooks, and I rolled up a character of every race and every class. The only race I allowed to repeat while going through the different classes was human. Because I figured, you know, humans do a lot of different stuff over the course of their life. So I went through the table of classes, I wrote them all down, and then I rolled for a race for each class. And I didn't let any of them repeat. (coughs) Some of them are really on the money. Like, I I wound up with, like, a... What was it? a, A dragonborn warlock, I think, was one of them that I got. And I was like... That's kind of on the money a little bit. That, that, uh, could, that could play well. So world, you mean like you just randomized your race yeah. in the class? Yeah, okay. essentially. Some of them I thought would be hilarious. I got Gnome Barbarian. Oh my god. <laughs> I think a Gnome Barbarian would be great. He walks around with like a hand axe on his back because it's people-sized and he's a gnome. <laughs> yeah. He's carrying just a regular hammer, and it's it's a great hammer for him. Like, yeah. yeah, I think that'll be fun. Um, I haven't I haven't fleshed any of those characters out yet, but Come I did roll I did roll them all up thinking it'd be fun. Uh, a five pound sludge hammer is actually a, a war hammer for him. <laughs> the elf wound up being a monk, by the way. For anybody who wants to know, uh, I, I wound up with I wound up with elf monk. Can actually play well. With painfully average stats. I might have to re-roll the stats. So what did you roll all these up for? Just for the fun of it. Okay. Make them in roll 20. And you so, have a whole array of characters to work just, with. Yeah, exactly. Just so I would have a bunch of different characters that I could yeah. mess around with. Um, I was bored one night, sitting here at home. And decided to roll up characters. But uh, yeah, that's always been my biggest pet peeve in D anD D is like the elf saturation effect. Um, Aaron, do you have anything or no, nothing particular? We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> like my yeah. biggest pet peeve is that I haven't gotten to fucking play. <laughs> Damn right. All right, I, I can feel that. I'd I'd love to have a group to where all of us could actually play players and not be one of us locked to the DM role. Well, I mean, yeah, that'd be nice. Roll Twenty does have a, a community of people that are looking for DMs. Like, you could put something out there and just be like, "Hey, we're looking for a DM to get together with us, you know, Saturday nights and play a game on Roll 20. You know, I mean, I'd be down. Yeah. To, I'd be down to meet somebody to DM for us, you know, once a week, and we could stream it and put it on the uh, put it on the show, and it could be our podcast for a while. Well, I think just as something additional, not not, sure, not yeah, we could, part of the podcast, but it's just as an additional stream thing. But we could too. stream it and then turn around and throw it on the YouTube. Yeah, which would be fun too. I mean, I I'd be down to do that. If anybody wants to, you know, to put that out there, I'd be interested. Yeah, I mean, how funny would that be for our only German uh, only German listener to be a DM? <laughs> 
sorry, I had to. Uh, anyway, so yes, and today you shall go into the cave, and inside the cave there shall be the hammer and the sword. I'm sorry, yeah. that was that was terrible. Yep, I'm just gonna um, leave that alone. I'm gonna ground myself. I'm going to my room. I'm grounded. So, I'll ask it. Have Have you guys? Uh, I, I'm done. I have nothing. The, the, all of my stories are based around the same group of people. They're the only ones I can play with in my town, which is sad. And Mike's like, I'm gassed. I'm done. I'm broken. I'm broken. I can tell you more stories, but it's... doesn't uh, doesn't your local game store have like a D and D league at all? Or they even shut down Friday Night Magic, so no. Well, I know they shut down Friday Night Magic, and then everything's been shut down for a while because of COVID. But oh, they, they shut down they shut down FNM before COVID hit. Well, oh, yeah, I know. Years. I know. I mean, if they shut down Friday Night Magic, that seems more mainstream than tabletop games. So well, they they weren't making as much money off of Magic as because it's an actual comic shop, so they make a lot of their money off of like selling actual comics. Mm-hmm. And they do have a, a Magic Corner. It's like a little corner of the shop for Magic, and they sell singles and packs on like budget prices and things like that. But they don't make most of their money selling magic, apparently, from what oh, I've been it's, told. It's the comics and all the uh, collectibles. Whereas my shop, it's almost exclusively magic. Matter of fact, they they closed their contract with Diamond after the whole COVID situation because, like a lot of like a lot of local comic shops, they got kind of shafted on their returns policy. So wow. they Yeah. Well. When uh, when COVID hit and a lot of a lot of comic shops tried to send back their orders, Diamond was like, "Well, you can send them back, but you're still gonna, you know, be charged X amount for returns." And the the comic book shops were like, "You can't do this to us. You're gonna bury us, like in fees. Like we're gonna go under if you do that." So a lot of them just canceled their contract and said, "To hell with it." Um, and my local game store was no exception. They, they still get like graphic novels because their, their daughter is big into like the manga and anime scene. So she'll pre-order, you know, like Viz graphic novels and things. They've got graphic novels in the back of the store, but their main revenue comes from magic cards and like Warhammer. That's where they get the vast majority of their money from. Which is Warhammer. Which, by the way, John, once once I get this 3D printer, I'll help you with your Warhammer people anytime. <laughs> I mean, like the, the the you think magic is a money sink? Warhammer with its figurines and everything? Oh my god! Warhammer, a massive money sink. You know, building an army in Warhammer, you're gonna spend you know hundreds of dollars at least. That's why I've I've I looked and I saw on Friday I was looking around for 3D printables because I've been looking into buying a 3D printer. Why I keep referencing it, but they actually they actually had a whole video on Warhammer being affected by the three D printer community. It'd be good for D and D minis, honestly. Well, I'd that's use, just I'd use it for that. Well, that's yeah, just I can it. see. I mean, why would you buy Why would you buy Warhammer figurines if you could three D print them yourself? Um, yeah, if they you actually get the same kind of quality. Warhammer actually, they I guess they were trying to sue some company on 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 the onlines. Because one of their models is actually, I think it was like a hundred and seventy something dollars or something like that, and some guy was three literally bought one, scanned it, and was three D printing it for half that cost. 
could see 3D printing custom minis. So you could have like a mini that looks exactly like your character if you wanted. But Oh, dude, I'm not going to lie. I think a Destiny 2 Warhammer group would be dope. <laughs> Just a bunch of guardians. <laughs> anyway. That would be a cool use for a 3D printer. Um, but I, I, I do still think like the official minis are probably going to be better quality and a lot of the time they're already painted, so you just have them and you can plop them right into your game. You well, but that's the thing, is some people that. say that the whole painting thing is part of the, the thing that they Experience. enjoy. Yeah. Well, for Warhammer, yeah, painting would be a big part of it, but I'm thinking of, like, D&D. Well, when it comes to D&D minis, I just want to play. Like, <laughs> not play the D&D. But, I mean, that's uh, the same thing with the Warhammer, right? I mean, some people would be, I just want to play Warhammer. Other people, are, I want to paint the minis too. I could see that same that same person being like, I want to paint the minis in D and D before I play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those people can do that. Like, there's always going to be people that are going to be like, you can buy blank minis that you can paint yourself. I have yeah. like four of them back here on that shelf to my left. Yeah, and there's also people you can hire to paint your minis. You know, there's people out there that are willing to paint your minis for you if you don't want to do it. So, just why would you just buy painted minis then? If you've got a scratch of painterly itch and you've got a little extra money, you can throw, sure. yep. you can throw some minis at people and be like, "Paint these." Um. Oh, um, what was it? I mean, I've got a, I've got a green dragon here that that Katie painted. I've seen that. It was it was kind of cool. Yeah. I've I mean I've got that. I've got a couple of minis back here that I've got to paint. Two warlocks and a couple of elves. But I, I got them because they were warriors and paladins. It wasn't because they were elves. Mike, did you, um, while we're on the subject real quick, did you mention your, your biggest pet peeve with D&D and DMing or, you know? My, my biggest pet peeve is when I... Okay, well, <clears throat> between, between stops, I'll give people... The homeworks. It's nothing crazy. I'm not expecting you to give me a, you know, a 13,000 word essay on your character's background. I don't give a shit. Oh, I like a page is nice, maybe. No, not even that. I, I, at one point, I had a printed sheet with one sentence. Your character has a trunk at the foot of his bed. What is inside? That's it. Could put anything in that thing. The reason I do this is because I want things to be able to, like, yeah, okay, this is here, this is... Some, uh, like... <sighs> Oni actually went into detail on a sword that was so much detail. I, it took me two days to get through all the detail. It was front and back, and his handwriting is absolutely atrocious. I don't know if he actually uh, graduated. Well, I will say that. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I after reading it, I had no other information. It, it, my head, it's just a bunch of pillows, red felt, and a sword. That's that's all that he describes, basically. It's just this sword in a trunk. Like, it's just this reverent... Okay, I get it. This is what you want. Bro, I'm not giving it to you. The amount of detail he put into this, the powers, what to do, does it, you know, everything. My pet peeve is you trying to be the DM while I'm the DM. Back the fuck off. 
I've had to shut that dude and his wife down on multiple occasions. That is my biggest pet peeve. You stepping on like in this world, homie, I made it. I'm God. So like you just wanted like really powerful stuff off a of rip and you were like, no, I'm not having that. Bro, he argued with me for almost a month before. And it was literal one, maybe two days before our, our campaign was to start. The entire time he's been arguing with me on um, whether he can actually start as a dark elf. He wants to be a fucking drow. I, I'm just sitting here arguing with him, telling him he can't. You can't. That's that's a monster race. I can't. You can't. He didn't understand why not. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. It, it, he just kept arguing this. He doesn't put any read time behind it. Nothing. I mean, Drow are technically a sub-race of Elf. They, you, know, you could be a player as a Drow. But if you didn't want to do it, then that's your call. As a DM, you can, you can put the kibosh on player races. Yes. <clears throat> so after a month, two days beforehand, I, I, I just was like, you know what, fuck it, whatever, sure. Go ahead and build it. I want to see this thing. Send it. Bring it over. I'll read it before we start, and that'll be that. I completely created an elf character that wasn't a drow. I made it all the same shit he normally does. I was just going to swap him out and wait to see if he'd notice. <laughs> no. Nope. He, uh, I... He created this drow and pulled it straight out of the monster manual. Mm. You know, do you know the problem with that? Drow from the monster manual are monsters and they're all of DM's use. All of their weapons and armor are based on the underdark. Which means when they are exposed to light, all of the enchantments go away. Yeah. More than that, I mean, like, the weapons themselves degrade. Yep. Everything, it, it just falls apart slowly. I literally had to sit there and tell him, and he just would, ref he just refused. Refuse. I'm like, okay. Right? I had to find a way to kill him off. I told him, I'm like, look, if you're going to be that, if, if this is the character you're going to run, start making another character. He didn't believe me. He died within two rooms. This is not going to go well. Um, another, another thing is, and I, I've fallen into this issue myself when trying to like DM different campaigns. What is it with DMs and like giant maze-like dungeons? A dungeon doesn't need to be a huge maze in order to be interesting. Uh, it can be just a series of rooms that leads to like a... And nine times out of ten, a dungeon is not a huge maze. You know, it's usually like an actual dungeon. There's probably like two or three different rooms offset, you know, and some cells that have people in them or, you know, skeletons. If that's an older dungeon full of dead bodies or whatever, it's not nine times out of ten. A dungeon is not a giant like labyrinthian sort of setup of corridors. If you're looking for immersion, that's just going to take you way out. Um, not to mention it's super complicated to plot and plan and like Aaron can relate. Aaron's tried to do that stuff. And how about I, I took the time to, this is when Minecraft's first started being a thing. I dropped into creative flat world and I fully constructed brick by brick as 10 foot squares. So I could literally look down on it and show them what the rooms would look like on my TV screen. Oh, that's cool. 
showed where the doorways were. If they were iron, they were locked. If they were wood, they were unlocked. These people would know as soon as they walked in. Why is it that the moment I went to the bathroom and came back, suddenly there were no iron doors left? Oh, dude, that's that's raw. For yep. someone to do that, that's lame. I couldn't figure out where I... I had like, to what happened to all the iron in. doors? Yeah. And conveniently, doing that, they also figured out exactly the perfect path to walk straight to the main character and finish that whole dungeon off within five minutes. That's lame. That's lame, Sots. Like, I mean, it was a it was a great idea. I I I did that. I I tried making it to where I logged in as a separate, and then logged in under another Xbox. Used it to completely stop you being able to break blocks or anything. All you could do is open doors. Yeah. So you couldn't fly, you couldn't open doors, all you could do was walk around. They literally just walked around room to room, didn't tell me what they were doing, didn't ask about any of the rooms. They just walked around on screen until they found where they needed to go. That's weak. I'm just sitting here like... You You put a lot of work and a lot of effort into that and had them just kind of shit all over it. I'm sorry, that sucks. While, While I'm sitting here talking to the group, telling them what they walked into that first room... His sister is just sitting here, walking room to room, not paying attention to anything. Just walking through, walking through. I'm like, oh, okay, no, done. I just shut it all off. I stopped trying to be... Yeah. At that point, I just stopped trying. That's an interesting use of Minecraft as a DM tool, by the way. Like, I, I would never have thought of that in a million years. Sure. I kind of fi- yeah, figured at that days. point... Well, I mean, think about it. You're in a first-person view. You could literally look around the room. Yeah. If, and if, because the world size was large enough at the time, you could double those bricks up and make it to where it'd be a four set of bricks is ten feet, and you could make that room seem huge compared to Steve. Yeah. Suddenly, that room's got dimension to it. Well, that and it's it's in three D and it's interactive. You can move things, you can touch stuff. You know, you can interact with the, the blocks and do things. That's a cool idea. I'm I'm sorry that that went south for you, man. That sucks. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't do it now because I mean now I've gone. I mean, I'll admit I played didn't you know I've played Minecraft too much. But now I can use redstone and I can create secret doors. I know how to create puzzles using the redstone. I mean, it's suddenly endless. You could do so much more now. And I would be pissed now if that was to occur. Well, yeah, because there'd be a lot more work involved in that now. Mm-hmm. Aaron's looking at him like, I'd do it. I'd do it just to be an <laughs> asshole. I could see the, the grin on your face, Aaron. You were like, I'd do it. No, but um, I think that's... We've pretty much covered all of our bases, right? Would yeah. you say? I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get... been fat for a minute. I, I'm getting well, depressed thinking peeves. of the old days. <laughs> <laughs> and we got our systems, that, the RPG systems that we want to try out, and some plans for maybe looking sure. some of them up and trying them out. Yeah. We yeah. Some Keep an eye on the YouTube channel. And... Maybe we, you might see some posts come up on there. Um, so, I mean, for what it's worth, like as a closing statement, uh, D&D and tabletop RPGs can be a lot of fun. Um, finding a good group is important. Knowing yeah. what you want to get out of your game is important. And, you know... An understanding of the system, like down to its minutia, is not necessary. 
you do not have to know the player's handbook for whatever game you're playing cover to cover. It helps, no. sure, but understanding the basics is what really matters. And just having it's, fun is what's important. Yeah. The, the, the it, having fun part is the primary part. You're, yeah, you're just fun with it. If you play with a great group and you've, you can make good friends, you can you have stories to tell for a lifetime, uh, both good and bad. Um, and <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're not interested in playing, you know, watching can be fun. Critical Role has proven that you can make a lot of money off of just having people watch you play D anD. d Critical Role can be a um, an avenue for people to try D anD. d that maybe wouldn't have tried it otherwise. So if you're not interested in playing, check out some of these podcasts we mentioned. Check out Critical Role. Check out like the Unexpectables. You know, check out the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. You know, uh, hey, Dresden Files is there. Yeah, Dresden Files know. is there, and I, I would I be interested in trying that. There's anybody who's done a podcast of Dresden Files or no, I'm pretty it, sure somebody's it. played the game. Listen, um, yeah, well, if yeah, you know sure. someone who has a Dresden Files RPG podcast. Send it Aaron's way. He's going to want to hear it. Let's just um, see how it plays out like that, yeah. I'd be interested in playing a Dresden Files RPG, but now you've got me thinking about, like, what kind of character would I play in the Dresden universe? Like, I was thinking about this a while back, and I was like, maybe I'd be a warden? But then I'm like, nah, I probably wouldn't be. Well, I, wardens get swords, and I love swords, so. <laughs> well, I, maybe you could be a Knight of the Cross. No! <laughs> <laughs> I am so incredibly not religious. I could never be a knight of the cross. <laughs> maybe I mean because, and that's the thing is because it's 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 more open. So maybe you're not a knight of the cross. Maybe no, you're a knight no, of uh, the the druids or. I was going to say Sasha's an atheist and he's a knight of the cross. Like, well, true. Uh, but I meant like I mean like you could create a whole new a whole new um, yeah a whole, a whole new, new type thing. Of because really what it comes down to in the Dresden Files universe, RPG, the Knight of the Cross is just a, an object of power user. Mm. And so, so I mean, you just make a new object. Another, you could have yeah. another object of power and another, like, group of knights or whatever. Or yeah. people that protect you, that you object. Set up, set up, whatever you wanted to do it. I like the way magic is, is used in Dresden, by the oh, way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's not so much about like the rituals and specific energy types or whatever. It's exercising Great. your will and pushing your will through a focus to, to force a thing to happen. And I think that's cool. John yeah. is going to be the knight of the titty club. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am the knight of, the of breastuses. <laughs> His symbol is a brawl. Like... <laughs> Go to your room. So he's going to have like that cock sword from like oh, um, Saints Row. <laughs> You guys suck. <laughs> Inflatable woman as a shield? Yeah, there you go. You could call my dad about that one. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Uh, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, no, check out your tabletop RPGs. Check out podcasts for tabletop RPGs. Uh, I listed a few of them in this show, but there's a, there's something out there for you. Just If you're interested, look for it. You'll find it. Um, that being said, I think it's time to uh, clear the table.